The reading tonight is Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 24. After this, the Lord appointed seventy others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal those who are ill and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The seventy returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he returned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Evening everyone, my name is Stephen Demetrio. Uh, I'm the youth minister here at Wishpainton Church. It is great to see all your faces. Guess what? I've been here nearly five years. Whoa, that's a long time. That feels like a very long time. Now, when I first came here, David Doherty 
the legend, gave me my basic training tour around BH. And it was a tour because we walked like 10,000 steps following him around the building as he flew along. Um, and he gave us all the big highlights to, to focus on, to, to know how to kind of do our job properly, our basic training. So we first went to the key codes, learned all the secret codes to BH, and all the simple devices to remember those, those codes, which I've now forgotten. Um, yeah. uh, then, then we went to the, to the lounge and got given, what's it, is that a lounge? Yeah, got given this. This is the key to open the dividers. We learned how to winch and winch and slide and slide and lock. And then came in here, the chair shovel. Learned the technique for shoveling chairs. Oh, not very good on the stairs. There we go. But finally, we ended in the office. The office where we learned the printing rules and regulations of Bishop Hannington Church. What you could print in color, what you couldn't print in color. All the detailed stuff. The basic introduction, our basic training to Bishop Hannington Church. Done. Because like basic training, it kind of gets you ready for the job at hand, doesn't it? It teaches you what you need to know, what to expect in the job. That's what we had like five years ago. Ah, And that's kind of what Luke 10 is. It's basic training. Um, and we're going to kind of listen in on that basic training from Jesus. But it's worth saying that all of this is done in the context of um, Luke 9, verse 51. So we've got a Bible. Have a little look there. It's on the screen if you haven't got one with you. This is the context. Um, as the time approached for him to be taken to heaven, that's Jesus, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So we're into the second half of Luke's gospel, which has this big focus. Jesus is heading for Jerusalem where we know he's going to die on a cross. The cross is on the horizon. That's what kind of shapes the whole narrative from here on in. And it's into that context that we kind of get Luke 10. And so let's have a look what Jesus does. Um, Verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Jesus kind of sends a little advance party to go and scout out and see what things are like. Like get the lay of the land. But also he gives them a mission. The mission is there in, in verse 9. He says, heal the sick, i.e. do what I do, like live like me. And then verse 9, tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So their job is to live like Jesus and get people ready for the king, for Jesus to turn up. That's their mission. That's their job. But hold on. Anyone else getting flashbacks? Like, like deja vu moment a couple of weeks ago, uh, Phil was speaking up here looking at Luke chapter 9 verse 1. Have a little flip there if you've got a Bible. Oh, Jesus sends out some people in Luke 9. What's going on? Why are there two sendings? Why is, why is Luke showing us two different sendings? What? Well, have a little look at Luke 9. How many go out in Luke 9? 12. And Luke 10, verse 1, how many go out there? 70. 70 go out there. And we're saying 70, by the way. Your Bible may say 72. Uh, it's because the Luke manuscripts have, uh, uh, that we've got, they kind of split 50-50. Some say 72, some say 70. We're going with 70 because I think, it's, I think Jesus is being really clever here. I think Jesus is doing something really special. Because way back in Genesis, Genesis 10, there's a, there's a table. It's called the Table of Nations. In it, it lists off every single known nation at the time. And anyone want to guess how many nations are laid out in Genesis 10? Yes, 
thank you for participation. Yes, we're back. Um, 70, 70 nations in Genesis 10, 70 sent out in Luke 10. See, I think Jesus here is showing us that this mission of living like Jesus and telling people about him is for every single follower from all across the world. Whoever follows him has this same mission. Because if we just had Luke 9, think about it, right? We might think this mission is just for the elite level disciples, like the top echelon, the 12 in our context, maybe the the Phil Moons, the the PCC, the Catherines, the Matts, the Wardens, all the trained pros. But we've got Luke 10, the 70. That tells us this mission is for all of us. Like when you start following, you start telling. That's like the basic logic here. That means this is a task for you guys, KO. This is a task for you, retired church legend. This is a task for for you, brand new Christian. When you believe, you start telling. This is for all of us. And so as we're listening to the 70 in their basic training, well, we're going to kind of learn some things for us too. We're going to kind of overhear and learn training that's going to help and teach us. And Jesus kind of centers this training around three big pictures. The harvest field, uh, the hungry wolf, that's not a wolf, I know, just making sure, stay up, Sean, there we go, and the heavenly book, perfect, Um, and so that's what we're going to do, we're going to go through those three pictures and see what Jesus is teaching us, how he's training us to go, Uh, and here's the first, verse two, the first image, the first thing that Jesus teaches the 70, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's this picture, farming, like an abundant field. He's saying, look, as you go ahead of me on the road to Jerusalem, it's like you're going out and it's harvest time. The fields are bursting. He's saying people are ready to respond to me. They're ready to respond to King Jesus. Just go into the harvest fields. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, some time I spent in America. Now, I was in America for six months. Um, I was seeing a friend called Nick, and his brother owned a farm. And on his farm, he grew the most American vegetable you can think of. Yes, the pumpkin. That was his farm. And I was there for pumpkin harvesting season. September, as, as we all know, obviously. Um, and Nathan's field, right? It, it, it was amazing. Like, packed full of these beautiful orange orbs everywhere. I was like, whoa. And in fact, there were so many pumpkins that Nathan had to get me involved. I don't know why. Um, He had to get Nick involved, had to get his family involved, his friends involved. So we were there, like, chugging these pumpkins around. That's heavy work, by the way. Pumpkins weigh a lot. And we're moving them and throwing them and all that kind of stuff. And still, after a day's labor, there's still more pumpkins in the field. Like, so many pumpkins. (sighs) that's the picture that Jesus has in verse 2. He says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He's saying that there are so many people out there, 70, who need to respond to to me. Like the 12 couldn't do it on their own. That's why you guys go, 70. Off you go. And guess what? They didn't finish all the work. That's why we go. Because the harvest is still plentiful. It means that Jesus has people 
for saving in and around us. There are people who are ready to respond to King Jesus in Hove 2021. And that's why he's saying, go into the harvest fields. And yet, I think, I think we find this hard to believe. We think, Jesus, yes, fields were lush and beautiful. People were, were, were up for talking about spiritual things back when you were around. I mean, you're God. You were doing like, stuff that was pretty cool. But here in Hove 2021, Jesus, nah. Here is barren. Here, people are, like, hate Jesus, that they don't want to talk about it. I think we have that perception, don't we? And it kind of means we put the handbrake on before we even start talking about Jesus. We go, nah, they don't want to know. But Jesus says, uh, the harvest is plentiful. Still, because he hasn't come back yet. See, the harvest is over when he comes back, and he hasn't come back yet. So that means there must be people in Hove in 2021 who need to hear about King Jesus. The harvest is still plentiful. That means in our schools, in our group of uni friends um, from, from way back when, in our Zumba classes, there are people who Jesus has, who he wants to bring into his kingdom. That's so exciting. That's why he says, go into the harvest field. In my experience, people are much more up for talking about spiritual things than I am. I'm the one who's fearful. I'm the one who holds back. So go into the harvest fields. And yet still, still we're hesitant. Still, we kind of like go, mm, I'm not convinced. I'm not sure. And Jesus knows this. The 70 must have felt that too, because look what he says in verse 2. He says, um, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He's saying to the 70, he's like, pray for yourselves. <laughs> he's saying, pray for yourselves. See, that, that verse 2, it, it, it's a prayer. As um, David Platt said, he said, why do you think Jesus would look at the crowds around him with all their deep needs and then turn to his disciples and tell them to pray for themselves? The answer is humbling. Because when Jesus looked at the harassed and helpless multitudes, apparently his concern was not that the lost would not come to the Father. Instead, his, was concern, his concern was that the followers would not go to the lost. Jesus, he kind of knows that I'll make every excuse not to go. So he says, start by praying. He says, start on your knees and then go into this harvest field. Because it's on our knees that God stirs our hearts. It, it, it tracks us in it, this correlation, because um, if talking about Jesus slips out of our prayers, talking about Jesus slips out of our priorities too, doesn't it? Um, if we're praying about evangelism, we're thinking about evangelism, and so we're more likely, more likely than not God's doing evangelism for us. That's kind of how it works. In fact, I'm so inspired by someone in our small group um, who every single week, pretty much without fail, they will say to us, oh, please pray for this person. Um, I want to have a chat about Jesus with them. Or, or pray for this person. We, we had a great chat about life and death and Jesus. What an example. Let's be praying more prayers like that. We start on our knees and go into the harvest field. And just one last thing about this harvest field picture Jesus is training the the, the crew in. Um, He says, he talks about the Lord of the harvest. Uh, And and, and did you notice 
who the Lord of the harvest is? Luke spells it out for us in verse 1. He says, the Lord appointed 70 others. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. He's in charge. He's the one who's who's over the harvest field. It's his harvest fields. That means he is working through our fluffed conversations, through our weak prayers, through our, our failings. The pressure's off us. It's on him. That's why we start on our knees and then go into the harvest fields. Here's what Megan Hill said about it. She said, when we pray for our neighbors to come to Christ and be saved, our naturally indifferent hearts are continually stirred with compassion for their souls. I love that. We pray and stir our hearts so we'll go and talk to people. Go into the harvest fields. But uh, Jesus' second uh, picture is a bit different. It's a bit brutal. (laughs) Have a look at verse 3. This is what to expect. Jesus says, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now, um, has anyone uh, had a tooth removed? Random question. Put your hand up if you have. Nice and high. Yeah, lots of people. So you'll know. You'll know this story. Um, I had a tooth removed a couple of years ago. And the uh, dentist person, they said to me, Stephen, it's not going to hurt. Right? But, but if it does, if you feel uncomfortable anyway, put your hand up. And then we'll stop the surgery. It's like, okay, fine. Not going to hurt. Happy days. Now, I don't want to call the surgeon person a liar. But my hand was up for the whole of the surgery, pretty much. Like, like, like not even just, like, like, they say it's not going to hurt, and they pull out a pneumatic drill, like a dentist drill, and start drilling into your skull. They say it's not going to hurt, and then they get the chisel and the hammer out, dentist chisel and the hammer, and start hammering into your skull. Like, they say it's not going to hurt, and then the pliers come out. All of those things are brutal instruments. They're not painless, they're not light. Like, my hand couldn't go any higher and still they carried on (laughs) man that is sugar coating at its finest it's not going to hurt don't worry but that's not how Jesus works did you see what he said in verse 3 we read it a minute ago I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves there's no dentist sugar coating here he tells the brutal reality of what these 70 are going to expect he says you're going out like uh, like little fluffy lambs into a world of hungry wolves. He's kind of saying to the 70, you're going to be ripped to shreds for this mission. You're going to bleed for me on the road to Jerusalem. You can kind of imagine the looks on their faces, right? As they're told that, wait, what? It is a world of hungry wolves. And lots of these disciples, they would have known that all too painfully true. For lots of them, after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, well, they would have been uh, executed for their faith by wild animals, some of them, like, like actually living this out for themselves. And for us too, we kind of know it, but in a different, different way, don't we? It is tough being a Christian in 2021. It's tough talking about Jesus. The social media wolves are like ready to circle, aren't they? And ready to pounce on any little like um, any little comment that shows your allegiance to the Lord, the Lord Jesus. Our friends, uh, well, they like to cancel us on our views on gay marriage and like kind of get everyone else uh, involved in that too. We know that this is a world of hungry wolves. 
In fact, we only have to go back like, a few weeks ago uh, with that news story about um, this guy here, Dr. Bermud Randall. He was a chaplain, um, a Christian chaplain. And, and well, he taught his students um, that, that they aren't obligated to accept someone else's ideology. So he said, you can think about and come to your own conclusion about the LGBT movement. And Dr. Randall, he was dismissed from his post. And he was reported to the anti-terror unit for extremist views. Biblical views, but extremist views. Like, it is a world of hungry wolves out there. He knows it. And I think that sort of thing is going to become more and more common over the next few years. Um, I think this kind of grates on us because we have this kind of built-in idea that Jesus, kind, loving, compassionate Jesus, that he wants my life to be easy, comfortable, and happy. Like, we have this idea that Jesus wants us to have rainbows and like unicorns, that kind of lovely, happy, comfortable life. But have a look at that verse 3 again. What he says to the 70, he says... Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. He's sending the lambs into the wolf den. Uh, and he's using wolves because they're scary. Um, I might be a bit too brutal for Sunday evening. Let's change that. Um, <laughs> they're, they're scary. They have 42 teeth. They're designed to crush through bone. They can eat in one sitting nine kilos of meat. That's a lot of meat. They are scary things, and that's who he uses to describe to the 70 what they're going to face on their journey. He's saying to them, 70, don't be surprised at the rejection that comes. Verse 10, verse 16. Don't be surprised people don't welcome you, when they don't like what you're saying. And for us too, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked on the road to Jerusalem if it involves pain and sacrifice. Don't be shocked if our friends turn against us. Don't be shocked if we suffer verbal abuse. Don't be shocked if we're called and labeled transphobic, homophobic, if we're called bad guys in society. Don't be shocked. It's a world of hungry wolves. So it begs the question, why on earth would anyone want to go? Like the 70 standing there, they're told they're going out like Sean into the wolves. Like, why would they go? Come on. Um, well, because Jesus asks, the Lord of the harvest says go. And this mission, telling people about the king, is his biggest and most primary concern. It's not our health or our happiness. It's this mission. See, verse 15 shows us this, the bigness, the, uh, the weight of this mission. This is one of the towns that won't accept Jesus or won't listen to him. Um, Jesus says, you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. By telling someone about Jesus, well, there are life and death consequences. By telling someone about Jesus, we can set them on the path to everlasting life, to escape everlasting darkness and destruction. This is why we go. This is why we go into the, uh, the world of hungry wolves because the consequences are so steep and so big and so severe. Uh, and by the way, Jesus, he's not asking us to do something that he hasn't, he hasn't already done. Um, Jesus in John's gospel is called the Lamb of God. He was sent by the Father into this world of wolves. And how was he treated? Well, he was slaughtered on the cross. 
Um, and, and he knows here in Luke 10 that that's his future. He knows that that's coming up on the road to Jerusalem. And, and still he walks that path. Still he says, this is worth it. Still I will go through all of that, he says, for you and me. Because his slaughter brings our salvation. His death brings our life. This mission is so important to him. He gives everything for it. And so he says, go. So others can know that life and salvation too. But he also doesn't abandon the seven to abandon us on this journey. There's a little paradox here, isn't it? He calls the 70 to kind of go out um, and like, like be ripped apart by wolves. But then he also says in verse 7 and verse 8, he says, stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you. He's like, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to look after you on the Jerusalem road. And then verse, verse 4, he says, don't take a bag or purse. He's like, don't worry, I've got that covered. Um, the shepherd has uh, our backs in this world of hungry wolves. And for us now, well, we have all we need as well. We have the Holy Spirit, the Lord God Almighty, living in us and walking with us in this world of hungry wolves. And actually, look at verse 1 as well. Because it's not just that God goes with us. Verse 1, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two. Notice, no one goes alone. Friendship is a gift for the Jerusalem road. Jesus knows we're going to need support. He knows we're going to need other people to keep us going. He knows it. So he sends them two by two, and he sends us with each other. So have a look around this room. Have a look. These people in this room here, don't see them with masks and like eyes. See them as sheep bleating away. These are your fellow sheep for the Jerusalem road. Like, look after each other. Keep each other going on this road. Because it's going to be hard. It's a world of hungry wolves. And with that, Jesus sends off the 70. Off they go. And actually, we don't hear much about their journey in the harvest field, in the world of hungry wolves. We don't hear what they get up to much. But Luke does zoom in on their return. Do you notice that? Verse 17, he says, the 70 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. This is like that feeling after camp, Woolly 3 or 4 Mark 1. You know how it is. You come back buzzing and so excited. That's these guys here. They're like, whoa, we've done such amazing things. It's been incredible, Jesus. We are preaching. There were crowds there. People were loving it. We did miracles. Oh, Wow. And Jesus even says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's basically saying there have been unseen spiritual ripples, uh, shockwaves through the spiritual realms because of what's happened. This has been big, amazing stuff. They're like, whoa, yes. They're proper excited, proper joyful in what they have done and their achievements, their efforts and what God's done through them. Isn't that just like us too? <laughs> We get properly excited and really happy about our achievements, our efforts. Like, um, like when we destroy that exam, get 97%, we're like, whoa, yes. Or, or, or play an epic tennis match, win, puffed out chest, oh, what a hero. Um, and then equally on, on the same vein, we get crushed and defeated when a costly mistake at work is, like, comes from us. 
our joy goes up and down, doesn't it? Based on, on our usefulness and our efforts. Up and down, up and down. And see, when our identity and our joy is based in our effort, in what we do, it can crush us. It can lead to despair. Because Jesus, he wants to ground the 70 in something that doesn't change, doesn't go up and down. He wants to ground their joy in something deeper and more permanent. So he says this in verse 20. Do not rejoice that the Spirit submits to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the final little like picture that Jesus says. Rejoice in the heavenly book. This is a two-hander. It's so heavy. He says there's basically a massive book in heaven, the book of life. And in it is the name of every single person, every single citizen of heaven, every single person who will live forever with me in glory, Jesus says. And he says, if you're trusting me, if you're a Christian, your name is in that book. It's in there permanently. It's not going to be erased. Um, It's like this stuff here. Um, This here, it's a bit small, but this is Registrar's Ink. Ooh, fancy. Yes, This is fancy stuff. It's kept in our safe. That's how secure and powerful it is. And no jokes at BH, in the safe. So, careful. Um, This stuff is the most permanent of inks. It it is so powerful, you use it for legal documents. It's like marriage certificates, they're done in this. Legal stuff signed in this stuff. It's powerful. And on the website, this brand is Dear Mine, top brand. In the website, they say this. They say, what is so special about Registrar's Ink? Well, it can't be rubbed out or washed off, and it doesn't fade. What is written stays written. There's no joke, by the way. That's what it actually says. This stuff is stronger than a Sharpie, like better than a biro for all your legal needs. Like, like this stuff is powerful and permanent and lasting. Wow. Keep the shirt safe. But, um, couldn't those words uh, in verse uh, on that screen be said about the Christians in verse 20? Right? What's special about our names being written in the book of life? Well, they can't be rubbed out. Our names can't be washed off. They don't fade. What is written? Those names that are written stay written. This is where Jesus wants us to get our joy from. This, that our names are written in the book of life if we're trusting him, so permanently written, etched in by him. Not by our effort or our achievement, but by Jesus' life, death and resurrection and ascension to the throne. Our names are in that book. We have a permanent place at his side. That's why, that's why Jesus says in verse 19, I've given you authority to trample on snakes, Genesis 3, sin, scorpions picture of of death and to overcome all the power of the enemy nothing will harm you jesus is saying look look 70 uh, us guys here um following me on the road to jerusalem it may mean pain you may be torn out by by these wolves but that's just surface damage because that cannot affect our heavenly destination 
snakes, our sin can't affect our heavenly destination. Scorpions, death can't affect our heavenly destination. Nothing can change that permanence of that writing. And one Christian writer said this, the promise of heaven has no peaks or valleys and the joys of belonging to the Lord knows no season. It's not up and down. That stays permanently there. That's why we're rejoicing in the heavenly book. That is our constant source of joy. Not in our success, but in our salvation. Not in our power, but in his grace. That is the constant, unchanging thing in this world. Yes. And just one more thing before, before I kind of wrap up. I think this is so cool. Um, verse 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned. Um, three times in the gospel, we read that Jesus cries. He shows his emotion. He's, he's emotional. Only once in the gospels, we read that Jesus is joyful. Right here. Do you see what he's joyful about? It's almost like he's chatting to the 70 and he's like, guys, guys, I'm so excited that your name's in the book of life. Wow, it's amazing. And you can see him beaming with a massive smile on his face. He is joyful in the fact that God saves people who don't deserve it. He is joyful in the fact that God works in mysterious ways to save people through the death of his son. And did you notice too, it's not just his joy. This is Trinitarian joy right here. Jesus, full of joy, through the Spirit. Spirit's there too. And then, end of verse 21, the Father is pleased. Father, Son, Spirit, rejoice in your salvation. Oh, wow. They rejoice that our name's in the book of life. So, as we kind of wrap up, um, when we're on, in this world, living as a Christian, and we're out in the harvest fields, and it feels like no one's listening to us, no one's responding to us, it feels like it's barren out there, we can rejoice. We can say, my name is in heaven because of Jesus, so I can rejoice. When, when, when we're out in the world, like a, um, like a shorn among the wolves, and we're getting torn out, and we feel on the brink of tears, we can pause. We can say, my name is in heaven because of Jesus and rejoice when we're out in the world and life is, feels too overwhelming. We're battered and bruised from, from, from life itself. We can rejoice and say, my name is in heaven because of Jesus. So basic training from Jesus. He says, start on your knees and then go into the harvest field. He says, watch out. It's a world of hungry wolves, but rejoice in that heavenly book. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this training. Thank you for that final like, little picture there. Lord, that book where our names are etched in permanently if we're trusted in Christ. Thank you so much that nothing can change us. Help us to find our joy in that and not in what we do. And Father, as we go into this harvest field, Lord, give us a boldness to speak. Uh, and Father, we thank you, Lord God Almighty, that you go with us. Amen.